Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome back to our core classes. We are in our salvation section. We're actually in the last study of our salvation section. Depending on where you're at in the study, if you've missed some of the earlier ones, it might be good to go back and listen to those on the salvation section before you do this one. Uh, as we go through this, uh, we like to do this in conjunction with our membership statement of faith that's starting to roll out to our congregation here in 2020. And I'd like to read points 9, 10, 11, and 12 in section J on salvation, just so you can hear kind of how we word this in our membership statement of faith. So we'll hear how it's worded, and then we'll jump into an actual study of God's Word over these same subjects. So today, overall, we'll be looking at our eternal relationship with Christ, the fact that our relationship is assured and steady and found in His hands and in His security now and forever. So section J, number 9, says, The work of Christ secures the believer's salvation and begins the process of transformation into His likeness. Jesus works in individual believers and in the entire church, to grow and change them over time. Out of love for Christ and while transforming into His image, we obey, do good works, love others, flee temptation, fight the flesh, endure hardships, and pursue holiness. Number 10, we believe that all who are born again are kept eternally secure in the hands of our Father by the sealing of the Holy Spirit and intercession of Christ. God preserves gospel believers with ongoing faith, until their salvation is fully realized in His presence. Number 11, the work of salvation produces a people who are unified in spirit and interdependent upon one another as a family and friends. Individual members of the body of Christ are called to use their spiritual gifts and to display fruit of the Spirit for the growth of the whole church. Number 12, ultimately Christ will redeem, renew, and restore all of creation making it a holy and new place for the Lord to dwell with His resurrected people forever. Those are some of my favorite statements in the membership statement of faith. So you can always go back to our website, BibleCenterChurch.com, and check that out. Those ones are a lot of fun. So here, if you're in our last section, I think it's session four, in our salvation section of the big book, the top of your page should say Eternal Relationship. There at the top, it talks about the fact that we are considered by Jesus His bride, which is an interesting concept. But we're described in the book of Revelation at the end as the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom, we're the bride, and we're forever connected to Jesus. In Revelation chapter 19, I want to read where it describes this. Verses 7 through 9 says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to Him for the marriage of the Lamb, that is Jesus, has come and his bride, that is us, has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true, the true words of God. So there's this picture coming of a day that we're going to be a part of. That's going to probably be beyond what we can imagine in the here and now, where we will actually be unified with Jesus in a unique way as bride and bridegroom forever. So it's a point in time when everyone, all of creation, angels, 
celebrate the marriage supper of the bride and the lamb. So we can look into eternity and see that we are, we are connected to Jesus, we'll never be lost. It's an eternal relationship. But what about right now? Is it considered right now an eternal relationship? Or is it a relationship that could be on the rocks? We live in a world where relationships fall apart all around us all the time. Is that true also of our relationship with Jesus? Could that happen to us? So the question is about sanctification, which is us being made more like Christ in perseverance, staying in union with Christ. So sanctification is us being made more and more into his likeness. The definition of sanctification is being changed more and more into the likeness of Christ or being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And the discussion sometimes when it comes to being more like Christ, it's a conversation about what we do externally versus what we do internally. In the Old Testament, we were given a bunch of laws that were about how we functioned externally. But Jesus slows us down in the New Testament, especially in Matthew, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and even identifies Old Testament laws and brings them into the New Testament line of thought and says, if you th- think it was wrong to covet, even if you think that you want something of your neighbors, you're coveting. If you think it was wrong to commit adultery, pointing to Old Testament law, he goes above and beyond and says, even internally, if you just long for someone else's spouse who's not yours in the form of lust, that is also adultery. So he takes what looked external only and recognized the fact for us that there's also internal motivations and desires that also can be sinful. So to be transformed more into Christ's likeness means that there's an outward transformation and there's also an inward transformation. Both of those components are part of us becoming more and more like Christ. Here's a verse in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. There's a lot of great stuff there in Romans 6, 4, and 5, but the part that I want us to notice is that when we are identified with Christ, we then walk in the newness of life. So that question there is, how does our union with Christ affect the way we walk? It should reflect this relationship that we have with Christ. There's a newness there. There's a way we used to walk and live in the world, and then there's the way we now live and walk in the world in terms of what we believe, what we do, what we think, our motivations and how we act. There's a newness to it. Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 15, and then two other times in that same chapter says in different ways, if you love me, you're going to do what I ask you to do. You're going to do what I command. So there's an internal love which transforms into outward obedience. So again, we see both inward and outward transformation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says this, but by doing, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So the point of that is that you and I here in this description, we've received righteousness, sanctification, redemption from one person, from Jesus alone. The Lord did those things for us. So, if he's the one who has accomplished those things for us, we can only boast only 
in the Lord. The Lord's the one who redeemed me. The Lord's the one who made you and I righteous. And it's only in the Lord that we are sanctified. So never do we pat our own backs and say, I did a great job. I've redeemed myself or I've assisted in redemption. God never needs an alley-oop, okay? God's got this. He can shoot the ball from any place on the court. He can dunk it anytime he wants. He does not need your assist. He's the one who's done it. We boast only in him. But because he's the one who's done it, we can have security in our redemption because he's the one who's accomplished it. It's in his hands, not in my hands. Okay, that's an important distinction from Scripture. What happens if we connect Jesus to our justification, being saved, but we don't connect Jesus to our sanctification, that is, being transformed? If we view that we need Jesus to be saved, but we don't think that we need Jesus to be transformed, what kind of things begin to happen? Well, it's actually pretty dangerous, and we find out that our sanctification, our being transformed into His likeness, doesn't work very well when we don't see it as being intimately connected to Jesus himself. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he, Jesus, who began this good work in you, that is salvation, will carry it, salvation, on to completion until the day of Christ. Who is the one who's working out your salvation in this verse? The author is confident of this, that the one, God, Jesus, who started this work in you, will continue to complete it until the day of Christ. It is God's role to work out salvation in you, which means you become more like Him because of the work He does in you. Well, does that mean that we don't need to work hard? Does that mean that we don't need to put effort into our sanctification? That is not what the Bible says. But before we talk about the work that we have to do, let's go a little bit deeper into the work that Jesus does. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says this, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It says here, there is nothing. Once you're a believer, once you've been justified, sanctified, reconciled to God, there's nothing that can come in between you and God and separate you from Him. Nothing. Well, you might think, well, what if I just walk away from God? In this list, it says, nor any created thing. You and I are created things. We do not have the ability to pull ourselves out of the hand of God. He is holding on to us. He says, my love is on you. We can't simply say, release your grip. I'm empowered myself to walk away from you. Nothing can separate us from His love, not one thing. And He is the one who's promised to take us from salvation to one day being with Him forever as the bride of Christ. The process from being this moment to that day, the Lord is in control of that. He's the one who holds us in that. Now, that does not mean that you and I wake up every day following God's laws, living perfectly, hating sin, loving Jesus, growing in our knowledge of God's Word, It'd be great if all those things are true, but we're going to have some really bad days, some really bad weeks. We might have some really bad months. I know depending on circumstances in your life, we could have some really bad years. But in all those things, if you're God's child and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then He will slowly woo you back to Him. Again, ups and downs in the way your life looks is not the way your friend's life will look when it comes to ups and downs in the faith. Somebody could be in a really 
down position when they pass away. It doesn't mean that they're not saved. Okay? It doesn't mean they're not saved because if they're in God's family, they're in God's family, whether they're going up or going down in their maturity cycle with the Lord. Now, if someone claims to know Christ, but their life never really changes, or if somebody falls so utterly far away from Christ that they seem like they have no connection with Jesus at all, in those circumstances, oftentimes, they've maybe said the right prayers, or they've said the right thing, or they've gone to the right meetings, but they've never truly believed in their heart in Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. There's an external component and there's an internal component to our faith. We talked about faith. It's intellectual, it's emotional, and it's volitional. It's our will. All those components are part of saving faith. If we just intellectually assent to the truths of the faith, but we don't we're not moved by the truths of the faith, then we're not necessarily saved. So for someone who's truly saved, these verses are absolutely always true. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This, this is a hard verse. He tells the person who's reading the letter, he tells the Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Pastor Mike, that sounds like the opposite of everything you've been telling me. He says that. You and I are to work hard at our salvation. There's almost fear and trembling in how hard we're working. But the verse continues. For, which this is considered a ground statement, like the, the, the strength of this statement is found in the second part of the verse. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you and I, when it comes to our personal spiritual growth, there should be some calluses on our hands, some spiritual calluses and some spiritual sweat on our brow. We're working as hard as we know how to grow, recognizing that it is actually God who is at work in us to grow us and to change us for his good pleasure. So who's the one responsible for our sanctification? We are called to work as hard as we can and God is the one who will faithfully do the work in us and through us to accomplish our growth and transformation. So ultimately, it's the Lord. But in that security of knowing it's Him, we can work as hard as absolutely possible. It's kind of like those moments when you're first teaching your child how to ride a bike. You hold onto the seat, you hold onto the handlebars, and you run alongside. Now the child is pedaling as hard as they can, so they're working, but you're the one supporting them, providing what's necessary for them to be able to ride the bike. They're in your secure hands, and you're saying, keep pedaling, you got this, push harder. God always has us, while he's still calling us to pedal. He's calling us to work hard in the process. So are you responsible for your sanctification? Absolutely. Work at it with all your heart, knowing that God ultimately is the one who has you secure, he has you safe, and he's the one who's empowering you to do so. So the answer is, always both. So this has been a great look at salvation in our core classes. I would encourage you, if you have any questions, go back and listen to them again. You also can always contact me. If you've finished this section, there's a little spot there on the website where you can click a box to let me know you've finished this section. Once you've finished all the sections in our Biblical Doctrine series, our 201 series, I've got a certificate for you. I love to honor the fact that you've worked so hard, you've gotten so much done. This is kind of a big deal. This is probably as hard as several seminary classes that I've been to, so kudos to you. Good job for the hard work. We'll see you at the next set of studies.